Welcome to Tripping Off, where we examine hypnotherapy and how it can be applied to the continual conversations between the conscious and unconscious mind. I'm Ernie Strain, and I'm joined today by Jesse Lyon. Today, we get into a conversation about why therapists sometimes seem to do cliche things. Among them, why therapists are sometimes so curious about the past and childhood. Well, Ernie, I wanted to talk to you about something. Actually, I don't like the way that that starts. Yeah, I don't uh, either. Like, that, that's not I, good. I'm ready to be fired. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, Ernie, ugh. But <laughs> what I wanted to say was, oftentimes when I'm doing therapy, uh, there are certain like key phrases <laughs> that I feel really dumb when I say, because I know they're like so god-awful cliché of a therapist to say <laughs> like, like, tell me more or how do you feel about that? Or um, just, you know, like the stuff you see in movies, I'm like, ah, you know, I really need to ask this question, but I almost feel like I owe them an apology for <laughs> like playing the stereotype. You know, you well, know what I mean? Yeah, no, I've done it. Um, and I know exactly what you're talking about. So uh, father's day was recently. So when we're recording this, right. And I, I found a internet meme as they go. And it was, I don't know, I thought it was really funny. It was like one of those old timey kind of um, Hallmark card looking pictures of like a dad and a little boy. And the caption was um, something like, dad, our relationship means the world to my therapist. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, uh, no. Yeah, no, it's true, though. Um, this is getting cross-posted. <laughs> yeah, the copy-pasting. That's accurate. Yeah, it's like, uh, what's the other one? Um, the the quote that somebody's therapist knows all about you? Yes. <laughs> also true. Also true. We got we to gotta talk about some stuff. And I'll apologize. I'll be like, hey, I'm sorry, this is really cliche, but, you know, can you tell me about your childhood and, like, when you first started feeling that? <laughs> I just straight up apologize because <laughs> so I'm like, hey, we, we got to go here. But I know this is silly. Yeah, like I think um, it depends on the client, right? Uh, yeah. How, how, I mean, what am I trying to say? I think what I'm trying to say is I get it. And I've done that too. Like, there's, yeah, I, I there's, there's, um, my my classic example that I that I definitely have that feeling of like I'm I'm almost gonna like give this a disclaimer before we go here is writing a letter that you perhaps don't intend to send. Um, it's I think it is cliche like in the way that like, oh, yeah. media uses it. <clears throat> uh, there is a there's a particular show I was watching and two characters were in a verbal argument over grief actually. And mm-hmm. one character is mocking another character's grief and actually like goes into this pretty biting uh, monologue about, yeah, like you're never going to get over this. Like maybe someday you'll be in a therapist's office and they'll have you write a letter and then you'll burn Ooh. it. And then I'm like, Ooh, like, yeah. Um, hmm. Okay. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. I mean, writing a letter. I mean, there's like, if you Google, uh, like therapist, you know, activities, therapist homework tools. Like there's like a top 10, I'm sure that are the most used cliche. And one of those is like writing a letter, you yeah. know, 
but yeah, then yeah. like what what where am i going with that like yeah it it feels so cliche and yet like it it's cliche for a reason i i can certainly say that for the clients i've had who feel like they they do want to sit down and try it i've i've had a few clients just come back the next time i've seen them be like so we've got a lot to talk about because like so much happened for me doing that Um, yeah and it's like a pretty for people who find it accessible it's a pretty classic way of getting into some unfinished business stuff yeah it's a cliche because it broadly works yeah, you know, I, I don't know why there's that like stigma or that idea that we need to do something totally radical and different, you know, where you don't see that in any other like medical profession, you know, like there's, <laughs> if you break your arm, you don't want a, a doctor who's going to like do it in a new way, you know, surprise me, doc. It's like, no, like wrap it up, <laughs> set it straight and leave it be. Uh, but for some reason, like, you know, as therapists, you're like, oh, I bet you're going to ask me how that makes me feel. Or I bet you're going to ask me about the relationship with my mom. <laughs> well, yeah, that's kind of the point. It is. And then, well, what I, well, man, what I, what I find myself wanting to say is that kind of gets at, I think, the person who has reservations or doubts about therapy Um, and probably feels a little hopeless and that like any of those things that you're about to throw at them they've already thought about or maybe even tried and they Mm. they aren't buying it i think that's what's different between that and uh resetting a broken arm or something yeah you've got a you got a good point there's there's like that skepticism and like oh you're gonna try and make me write a letter and you're gonna think that's gonna fix it it's like well that's not everyone. And that's not, I think this, I don't think that's the very reason why we're, we're talking about like this, this effect we have of just like, so this is a bit cliche, but here's, here's what I'm going to say. We try. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it kind of brings me to my point. Like the reason I brought it up is because I had, you know, I had a couple clients this week who we did have to talk about some of those cliche things. Uh, and one of the most, the, the most used ones for me is I'll ask, you know, okay, tell me about your childhood, which is, I mean, talk about classic cliche Sigmund Freud topics in therapy. Tell me about your childhood. But there's, there's a reason we do that. And kind of like with a doctor who's going to set your arm and put it in a cast the same way every time, you know, in therapy, because the brain works in the way that it does, we kind of have to go back and talk about those things. That's a necessary part. And so I kind of was hoping that maybe we could take a little bit of time and kind of unpack sort of the structure of the brain and why we do that. You think that'd be cool? I think that would be cool. <laughs> that was all right, that was, Sigmund. Yeah, that was my man. If yes, I that was, my, that was my Sigmund Freud, um, <laughs> you know, with a chomping on a cigar in his mouth as he's kind of mumbling at you. Well, yeah. If I brushed up on my German Austrian, I could probably do a better job. <laughs> but uh, currently not fluent. <laughs> so where we want to start then, if I heard you right, is like just talking a bit about why, why, why is that early childhood stuff so important? Why is going in the past like that? Because I think that's another common question. I'm so concerned with what's happening to me now. Why are we going back there? Yeah, and people get kind of frustrated. I mean, I know they do with me. Same with you. 
Yeah, it's happened. Yeah, where it's like, well, I'm dealing with like this relationship or situation at work or stress right now. Like, why are we why are we talking about like 20 years ago, 30 years ago? Yeah, well, there's there's a reason. And the reason is <clears throat> the brain when when we're born as children, the brain isn't just dropped into our skulls fully developed. Like that thing continues to grow uh, for quite a while. And I mean, I think most people kind of know, but you know, the research tells us that the frontal cortex of the brain, the logical functioning, executive functioning portion, doesn't fully develop until you're 25. And uh, well, whether everyone listening to the podcast knows that or not, the insurance companies sure know it because they won't let you rent a car before 25. <laughs> and that's why your premiums drop when you're 25, because they now know that you have the executive functioning necessary to not make dumb decisions with expensive vehicles and people's lives. <laughs> There's a little bit of, uh, of conscious thought that can go into that because those valleys and crevices and creases and the gray matter inside your brain are sitting the way that they're supposed to sit. Well, hopefully. So how does that relate to childhood though, right? Well, Ernie, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when, we're, when we're kids. Is that, is that mean like I, I, I dropped a cue card and I'm fumbling and you're like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, no, we're, we're actually not even in the same room right now. So I just, I can, I can feel it, man, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, but why, why is that a thing? The, the reason is when we're children, uh, the, the frontal part like almost isn't there at all. Like there's, there's not a lot of executive function. Um, it's all unconsciously driven. And so like, follow with me. It's crazy. When we're children, we operate unconsciously. We operate almost in this uh, like consistent, unbroken hypnotic trance. That's why kids like play make-believe, like imagination, stories, metaphors, you know, nursery rhymes, Dr. Seuss, all that stuff, because they can only make sense of the world through unconscious processes. You know, it's, it's not until we get to be, you know, start to be in high school and then grow into our 20s and then solidly when we're 25 that we really shift and switch to consciously processing everything. And that's why, you know, if you aren't careful, uh, you know, adults will say like, I have no imagination anymore. It's like, yeah, because they're over-reliance on the conscious brain. Yeah. It's kind of a blank canvas with kids and Mm. the, the frontal lobe is still developing. So all of those like higher problem solving skills are kind of scaffolding in as you get older. And, you know, there's, there's certainly like, even like certain tasks that little, little kids, I'm not going to remember the age ranges, but like, are just not going to be able to do Yes, because it's, it's not there yet. And so there's that part of it. But I think what I find more interesting in just the story of people and how we come to be is in that blank canvas, we as children start to get messages from adults in the world around us about what is and isn't what's good and bad how really how to feel um and that stuff starts getting kind of plugged into that frontal lobe as it's growing as it's going through some of those developmental leaps 
Yeah. It's that stuff. It's like that. It's like that. Those building blocks are what will become the foundation of the, the psychic house we live in as adults. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't know, maybe this is, maybe I'm just hungry and this is silly metaphor, but I kind of think about it like a birthday cake, right? You know, there's all this stuff that happens before you put the icing on the cake that makes the breaded part of the cake, you know, you got flour and eggs and sugar and milk, you know, and that all mixes together in this unconscious process, you bake it. And then the very last step is the icing, the fondant, the decorations. And, you know, maybe you've experienced a time where you had a cake and it looked pretty, but it didn't taste good. And that's kind of the way that we develop as people where, you know, we, we have all these unconscious sort of, like you said, scaffolds, these structures, a, a way of thinking, way of interacting with the world that we develop from growing up, that we learn from our parents or our, you know, aunt, uncle, grandma, grandpa, whatever. Those become sort of baked in to our brain in the unconscious underlying part. And then we get to be adults and we put this nice, real shiny, you know, fondant layer that covers everything up and makes it all look real smooth and nice. And we think that we can fix the way that the, the icing and the covering on the cake looks and that'll make the cake better. But then when you have a bite, it, it doesn't taste right. Because deep down underneath, those processes are still taking place those unconscious interactions with our mom or our dad or our brother, or our sister, uh, that, that shape who we are, are still in there. And so the reason that I, in, as a therapist, ask those questions, like, tell me about your childhood is, well, we can, we can try and fix what's going on right now as much as we want. But until we go back and really look at, okay, what are the structures that you believe? What are the messages that you've been told about yourself and others that aren't functional and are causing your cake to go sour? You know what I mean? Exactly. And those messages are often not very conscious messages at that point. The, well, they can't be because right, you don't like, have any conscious space to uh, process them as a child. And not only are they not like in the conscious mind, but people because they're not in the conscious mind, like they, there's not really a map. And I think, I think what you and I know is like, we can totally make a map. We can totally go back there. Uh, we just kind of are never taught how to, at least in our culture. I True. Think. And so we, what I think ends up happening then as therapists, we, we find our methods of doing that thing. We find our methods of peeling back, going back to the unconscious and maybe going back to that, I don't know, that kind of child place where that is still there that could really have some secrets or opportunities for us. Maybe opportunities is like the best word because like if you can, man, if you can go back to like that, that place in your child brain where everything was a blank canvas and it was just all like just creation every moment, every new experience you had, it, it might definitely shake some things up. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, that's what gets me excited about hypnosis and hypnotherapy because you, you can literally do that where you take the conscious brain, the logical brain, you set it aside for a moment by giving it something to focus on. And then you have that rich uh, opportunity and potential of the unconscious brain to do whatever you want with. 
You know, it's like we can finally shut down that conscious brain and get back to a childlike state where, you know, learning and potential is an opportunity again. That's why, you know, when they talk about hypnosis, they call it a, a learning state. Yeah. Because you're going back to being a kid again and, and you're solving those problems that were created in a, in a childlike brain. So you kind of have to go back to a childlike brain in order to correct them. So as you're saying that hypnosis is one way of doing it. Different therapists yeah. are going to have different methods. Um, and it goes back to the notion that we started with. Like it, it's one of those. So if, if talking about your childhood, if kind of becoming that therapist for a moment who, who leans back and is just like, so tell me about your father. Um, <laughs> like one method of, well, there's, there's the learning about it from the client and then there's the, the doing, I guess. Like what is the experience we're going to create around going into the past with that? And one of those is the broad intervention, I suppose, of inner child work. And mm. I think inner child work is probably one of those things that like if people are familiar with therapy, it's, it's a term they've heard even... Um, even other spheres of, I guess, self-improvement, like coaching and stuff are, are, are getting into it for better or for worse. Um, <laughs> but um, it's one of those things where it's like, so I'm going to, I'm going to, let's talk about this inner child stuff. And I've, and I've, as I've said that I have had a client just be like, what does that even mean, dude? Or, or kind of like, here we go. What, yeah, I was going to ask what, you. I'm like, yeah, what could my, what, what does my, that mean? What could my inner child have for me now? Yeah. And I think it is a, a method of doing a bit of what we've described so far. You, what I often find myself doing as I go there with clients is in some way attempting to repair relationships. Mm. So, Oh, okay. We were perhaps we were not loved in the right way. Perhaps we felt neglected as children. And I think you can experience echoes of that of that history in your current relationships. Oh yeah. And what would it be like if we just visualized you at whatever age speaks to you? I think you know, the specific age probably is important. Everybody's going to have like, I think a certain place they go. Mm. And maybe, maybe it is where some wounding happened. Maybe it's actually when things were great and everything all the time surrounding that time weren't so great. Mm. What, and what does that, what would that child, what would, what would you at that age, at that point in time need that they were not getting from the world around them? Because as we're talking about that, we're probably talking about you not getting what you feel like you need now. We're, we're kind of. And I think the actual visual journey of putting yourself there is a part of the power. And I think hypnosis is a great tool for it. I, I have for sure used trance work to do what we call inner child work. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if anyone else 
went on a trip with me, but I definitely tripped off and was thinking like, oh yeah, I, I can see myself at exactly that age and thinking about exactly what I needed. That was, that was pretty hypnotic right there. Yeah. So what does, what does that Jesse need? Yeah. And then there you've like totally explained, you know, the things that I search for in my current relationships, because deep down I'm searching for those needs that weren't necessarily met, you know, or things that I was searching for at that age. And then as I, as I take that, you know, of course, there's this feed in of like the client telling me what their experience was. And then what, what I find in my process is I, I definitely just have attachment theory in the back of my mind with that. Yeah. And so like, there's, there's, there's a method right there of taking this hypnotic past experience and then kind of unifying some of that unconscious stuff. And actually at that point, when it feels appropriate and effective to bring in the conscious mind too, and be like, so here's what's actually happening. Here's this um, actual very, you know, as, as theories of personality go, like about as close to proven as we get way of looking at relationships. Mm-hmm. Here's maybe where your experience fits into that. And what do you yeah. think? And you kind of introduced a new term. I wonder if you could, you know, just like the, the 30 second bullet point explanation. Oh, what do you mean when you say attachment theory? What is that? 30 second, man. Okay. So <laughs> the idea is that when we're really, really little kids, we start forming attachments to the um, parental figures around us. Actually, as I say that, it could even be other older children. Okay. Siblings. Okay. But we, we start building that very scaffolding that we talked about earlier based on like those first experiences and how adults respond to us mm. and our, and our emotions. So like, like think of the upset baby or crying baby. So the idea is that based on how parents responded to you as an infant, you might fit into one of three categories that have since been, you know, expanded or overlap, but for sake of keeping it simple, there's secure bonds, insecure bonds and avoidant bonds. Ooh. Oh, this gets deep. Okay. I'm listening. So that that's how um, elevator speech, this theory starts. And then the idea is that as you continue to age, you're going to have this adult attachment style. That is not necessarily concrete, but this tends to be like the the path most traveled for you and how you function in your close adult relationships. Uh, and it, it'll it'll perhaps echo some of those three categories. Like with romantic partners, for instance, do you do you tend to feel like you need more reassurance? Is some part of you kind of insecure that you'll lose this person? Maybe just a little bit, maybe a bit unconsciously. Oh yeah, hundred percent. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> are you? Yeah. Are you actually finding yourself a bit like not knowing what to do with you know another person's attachment to you? Like, ah. Like you know, someone else coming to you with their needs, be them emotional or not. Do, do you do you feel like that's 
something you can deal with or does some part of you kind of like just want to shut down and run away from that a bit mm. yeah that makes sense do you feel like day to day you just despite and i think that's the key thing despite challenges and arguments and problems that all relationships will mm. have do you basically feel pretty okay and entrusted and cared for by your partner like those are all archetypes of of this idea and so it, it almost sounds like you can relate those back to the three that you said, right? Like the first one being insecure, where you feel like they're going to leave. The second one being yep. avoidant, where you're like, whoa, don't put your emotional stuff on me. I'm trying to run away from that. And then the last one being secure. Yeah. Wow. Okay, that's really cool. And then I think it gets much more complicated as you get into it. Sure. Because even as I describe that, I'm like, oh, people are just these three things. Well, of course they're not. But it, it tends to be a useful starting point for, for building in the understanding. And there's, there's going to be enough truth in that, I think, that it will apply to just about anyone. And that's probably why this theory has grown and um, stuck around for so long. It's, it is kind of at the, yeah. Like in psychology, I don't know, like there's a lot of shifting stuff as we, yeah. as we try to understand. Yeah, true. A lot of stuff that's pretty difficult to understand or empirically study. But this is this is one of those things that has stood the test of time. Yeah, well, and, and I can really see like how you combine both hypnotherapy and attachment theory in order to kind of develop your own personal style that makes your work so significant, Ernie. That's really cool. Doll. <laughs> I mean, it is though. It's like okay, like what a what a great way to put like three little neat boxes as like a starting point to the hypnotic process of going back and kind of reworking some of that unconscious childhood stuff. That's that's pretty neat. And I, you know, I wonder, you know, as people are listening, I'm sure you can identify with one of those three boxes, and maybe a little mixture of a couple of them, maybe a little bit all of them. But you can see how those are directly related to experiences from way, way, way back. And I think as I've certainly experienced it as I've done this more, you can kind of, you kind of just see it. Like, man, my, the people I work with who are perfectionistic, who are pretty critical of, of themselves, mm. you know, I, I'm already wondering, like, what is your experience with emotional neglect Ooh. or, or was, did love feel conditional Ooh. for you? Did you have to perform to receive praise or love? Like what, what are, what are the, what is the story? Man, why you got to call us therapists out like that? Jeez, Ernie. <laughs> um, well, yeah, that's, a, I mean, it, well, if it feels that way, then I think it, it kind of gets at my point. Boom. Like, got him. There's, there's certain, there's certain almost archetypes of, of this story that you can just start seeing in people. And it, it certainly applies to me too. Like I was, man, totally like the man, if I did not get an A in grade school, life was over and it totally fed into like, well, what kind of relationship with my parents did I have mm. at that age? Yep. And it gets back to how we started this conversation, how how do you start building that story? What is the frontal lobe getting as it's, it's slowly getting bigger and almost infinitely more complicated in those uh, synapses? W what are the relationships happening? 
how do adults respond to the world around them and, and maybe good things or bad things? Because even if it's not directly happening to the kid, they're watching everything. Yeah, you're so right. Those, all of those become parts of the story. And I think that what we're all, what we're saying and why, why are we going back to the past? Why are we talking about childhood? Why are you directing me to visualize my inner child? It's because maybe those parts when they started earliest are like, I don't know, just more foundational, literally like building a house. Like you pour concrete, all the wood and electrics and plumbing and stuff mm. happens on top mm -hmm. of that, but none of it is as thick or as, you know, embedded in the ground as that concrete foundation. Yeah, geez. So true. Well, if so that's why we are going. Yeah. Through. Well, if anyone uh, wants to have their mind blown by Ernie analyzing their attachment styles, uh, call them up. <laughs> Cause my, my brain's melting out my ears right now. <laughs> Man, that's good stuff. Well, geez, maybe we, maybe we just call it there. Like that's, that's a lot for me to chew on. And it makes, it makes a lot of sense and kind of brings it full circle. Okay. I know it's cliche as therapists, some of the things we say, and I know it can seem a little silly and it can even seem frustrating when you're trying to deal with something that's going on right now. And we're talking about stuff that happened years and years and years ago, but there's a reason as much as we try and fix the, the icing on top or, you know, the electric or the plumbing, if you got a bad foundation, you got to reset that foundation first. And that's where hypnotherapy comes in. It sure yeah, does. Pretty cool. Well, thank you for uh, sharing all that. That was great. If uh, anyone's got any questions, please send them over. We'd love to talk about them some more. Um, you can email me or text me. I'm Jesse at lioncounseling.care, L-Y-O-N. Uh, on Instagram, Lion Mental Health, uh, or my phone number, 321 four three zero five nine six six and uh yeah love to talk about some of this stuff because i think man we all deal with this in our own separate ways but so so impactful to everything we do in all areas of our life signed <laughs> deal all right <laughs> well until next time everyone thanks for joining us and uh, we'll talk to you soon thank you all